Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. We're a church in the great city of San Francisco, and our heart is that everyone would experience true sanctuary in Jesus. This week on the podcast, we have a guest speaker and a one-off message, uh, and my hope is that this would encourage you and equip you, and really, we're just so honored that you would listen in. So, here it is. Okay, I... I... I'll tell you, Tim, there is a dollar amount that you owe me. <laughs> uh, just to say, it's 50000 So, uh, And if you think, where am I getting that number? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you where. Because my son went to Belmont University the same year that Tim Harms went to Belmont University. And they only gave out one presidential scholarship that year, which was a full ride. My son was in the interview process. He didn't get it. And I found out four years later that the one who got it was Mr. Tim Harms. When he walked in the back of our building, I thought, my son got a scholarship. At that time, the tuition was 22 grand to, to go to Belmont. Now, who knows what it is. Uh, my son got a scholarship for 10000 a year. You got the other 12 grand. <laughs> Times four plus interest is at least 50000 that, that that you owe me. That's how I come up with that number. <clears throat> I'm really thrilled to, uh, to be here. I really am. I, I love this city. It's beautiful. Uh, enjoyed walking around yesterday, and I've been told the weather is unusually good. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's good to wear jackets. Where we come from in Tennessee, it's very humid and hot, and you don't get the luxury to layer up. You just layer off, you know, that, that kind of thing. So my wife, uh, I'm married. My wife, Michelle, could not come uh, this weekend, but I wanted you to see a picture of her possibly. I don't know if that's up there. Um, she's definitely the best uh, looking part of us. And I'm, by the way, struggling with this. My cheeks are so fat that, uh, that this all, these things always fit weird. It's like a chipmunk wearing these things. So anyway, uh, I want to congratulate you guys, seriously, for going for it. Like, there's a presence of God here. And uh, I just, for, for keeping pressing on and for going for the things of God, I just want to congratulate you. And I think Zephaniah 3.17 says, God rejoices over us with singing, with loud singing. And I just have that picture as we were singing and Chris was leading and all of us were saying that kids were dancing. I just had this picture of God smiling. And I don't think it's a, it's not a picture out of the blue. It's Zephaniah 3.17. It's like he rejoices over us with singing. And to know that the creator of the universe is smiling and happy and rejoicing over you and me this morning. And I just think he's pleased that you're going for it. So I, I'm, I just want to congratulate you. And I want to... Uh, this morning, I'm going to read some scripture. Don't panic. We are going to be in Ephesians. But uh, first, I just want to outline a problem that Tim touched on, I see, in, in the church, really, in the world. But it's this. Many people have a dangerously low view of the gathered church. And, and I think that it, Christians can have a dangerously low view of the gathered church, and it can creep in. 
and it, it's in our culture, and there's a lot of reasons for that, which we'll outline some of those reasons, but it's a problem. A lot of people come to a point where they love Jesus, but can take or leave the church. You know, I love Jesus, but or they love the church, the big C church, the global church, but uh, it's important to remember that when we sing about Jesus and when we read from Ephesians in a minute, it's coming up, that this book is written to local churches like the church at Corinth and the church at Thessalonica and the church at Ephesus. When it says things like, you can have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians, it's talking about the gathered church. Together we need one another. And together we can have that. It's not, not on our own. So um, my hope this morning, just tell you my hope out of the get-go, is this, that, uh, that God elevates my view of his church, what he's doing on planet earth, my view of him and my view of what he's doing. And my hope is that he does that in all of us this morning. So now that you're seated comfortably, I'm going to ask you if you're able to, to stand just as we read God's word, just as a way to honor. We're going to start in Ephesians 2, verse 11. I'll read it and, uh, and we'll just, I'm going to read 11 verses or so. I'm going to read to verse 22 to the end, but I just want to say, we're really going to focus in on the last verse, verse 22, but the rest of it is in hugely important this morning. So starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Just to pause, that's a bad, if you're wondering, that's a bad place to be, having no hope and without God. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man yeah. in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Father, we just pause this morning to thank you for your goodness, your compassion, your grace, for your missional heart to come after us. Jesus, we thank you that you're our Redeemer, our Savior, our friend, our Lord, our healer, our comforter, our life, our life to the full. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now into our hearts. 
Would you renew our thinking? Would you illuminate truth to us? We just thank you, God, you're here, and we pray in the authority of Christ. Amen. You can be seated. I was praying about uh, this weekend, so excited to be here, and uh, so excited to be, like, just involved in what God's doing. And I was thinking about this whole emphasis of the, of the church, and sometimes we we don't see things as clearly as we should. And as we walked around uh, the city, you could see the marine layer. Uh, fortunately, this weekend, like just hanging out over there. You call it Carl, right? Yes. And so, so I have a friend named Carl. I'm using that on him. This gray cloud. That can, no, uh, but like the, this. Glorious sunshine breaks through and the wind comes and, and pushes it off and all of a sudden you see the, the bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. And all of a sudden you see something that was there all the time, but you just couldn't see it. Or you didn't see it as clearly. You, so you saw it, but maybe through a cloud. And so I, what I'm praying for, uh, uh, just, just this topic, of, I've been to place, I, I love this, I love California, I love this area. I've been to, I've, I've been, to LA, and I've been, not, not a lot, but I've been to Pebble Beach on my way down the one. I've, I've enjoyed uh, these, and there were days where it was just cloudy and, and really just pitiful. And then there were days like this weekend has been, which has been glorious. I mean, wonderful. I got a sunburn, and uh, it, was, it was amazing. So uh, I'm hoping and praying that for, for us. I'm praying God helps us to see what he sees so that we can do what he's doing. That, that's what I'm praying. And so uh, I'll ask a question. And just thinking about that verse 22 before we dive in, I'm going to give a lot of context, but one of the questions is this. Uh, how is being built together to be a people different from just attending a meeting? Just think about that. Verse 22 said, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. How is that different than just going to church or going to a Sunday morning? I just want you to contemplate that as we just look at uh, Ephesians. Now, just to say, we read from verse 11 because that's the context of what's happening. And so I want to give us a little context. Hopefully not, this won't take long, but I, just bear with me. I'm going to give us a little context here. Paul is reminding uh, the Ephesians, he's reminding this, this church, Jews and Gentiles, he's reminding them of all that Christ has done. He's reminding them of this amazing thing that Jesus has done. And uh, he's saying, hey, once you were uh, far off, once you were alienated, once... You were outsiders, and now, because of Christ's work on the cross, you're brought near. That's, like, this is, he's not, this is the essence of Paul. Once he was a persecutor of the church, if you know Apostle Paul, he was this guy that went around, like, he was anti-Christ. I mean, he was against him. He was persecuting Christians, and what happened is he had a revelation of the risen Christ. He, He met him, and it changed him, and he's like, he went from, 
not only being outside, but being outside and persecuted to being brought near. And he's reminding uh, the Gentiles this is what's happening. Have you ever known that you are an outsider? Have you ever been in a place where you know you're not welcome? You know that uh, that's happening. This happened to me, uh, and I was thinking of examples of this, but uh, we have these prayer nights like you're going to have. And, and again, Nashville, we're, we're, we're church. We're going for it. We're praying church. Pray first, all those things. And so we have men's prayer, we have women's prayer, and we have all church prayer where we all come together. And so the men's prayer was going, we thought, pretty well. And then some of the leaders of the ladies were telling me they really wished there was more uh, involvement and more, more input. And so I thought in my stupidity, oh, I'll just go and show them how to do it, you know? And so uh, literally, this is what I thought. I'm confessing sin right now. So I thought, well, I'll just go. I'm like, Well, here's what we do, you know. And so I go to this ladies' prayer night. And uh, I just knew that I was, I mean, from the minute, I, one, of, one of our ladies just looked at me, you know, and kind of looked me up and down and just went, and no holes, no, not, just no kindness at all, just like, what are you doing here? Like, you know, and I said it nicer than she said it, actually. Um, like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, that's the question I'm asking myself at this moment. What am I doing here? And I could not get out of there fast enough. I mean, I, I stay, I'm like, I kind of gave my little spiel. Here's why we should do this, whatever. And then I'm like, I'm leaving. You guys are, you guys are, gone. I knew there was no savior coming for me that night. All right. There was no one that was going to bridge the gap. There was no Jesus stepping into the middle of that meeting. I, I dug a hole. I wasn't going to get out. Of. And, uh, so uh, I help them now by meeting with some of the ladies of the leaders and saying, you go. But uh, uh, I think I could go back in there, just making a little fun. But um, I don't want to. <clears throat> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is, what, this is what's happening. Paul's saying, hey, listen, you were the uncircumcision. And he's referring to Gentiles. You, you know, it's kind of David and Goliath. David said to Goliath, Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? If you don't know the story of David and Goliath, Goliath was a Philistine that was against God's people, and he was a giant. And, uh, I mean, he was a big man. And, and, and God sent David, literally a young boy, uh, and this young boy had the faith of God and knew that God was on his side and said, uh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And what he meant was God is not with him. God is with God is with us, and the and and then God helped David to to slay the giant, and so you might be facing some really difficult things, and you might be facing things that are even evil. It's good to remember that God is not with them. God is not with them. That God's with you, and it's just good to remember that. And Paul's kind of reminding. He's reminding the church who they were before Christ, and he's contrasting that with now who they are in Christ because he wants to make a point and he wants to see them become this thriving church. He wants, to, he wants them to step in to all that God has for him. He wants the church at Ephesus to be this incredible sending center. He, he wants this, and so he says that, and fast forward, but, but that's uh, like you and me, no hope, that one time, I'm kind of flying through this bag, contrasting, at one point in time, we had no hope and we're without God in the world. And that is certainly true of me. 
my story. You know, there's verse 13 in that passage. I think it's verse 13. It says, but now. Those are two great words, but now. And my but now moment was uh, just God opening my eyes to my sin condition that I realized I needed being saved. I realized that I'd heard Christians talk about life eternal, and I realized I wanted that, but I realized that Jesus promises life to the full, John 10.10, and that's actually what we based Lifehouse Church on in Nashville, was that he promises life right now to the full, life lived in Christ, and he gives us life eternal, but that comes as we surrender our life to him, as we receive by grace that life. It's not earning it, as you guys have already talked about. So my but now moment came as God was opening my eyes to that and a relationship with Christ made available. And Paul's reminding them. And that's a question also. Do you have a but now moment? Do you, do you have that? I have a couple. There was one initially, and then I'll talk about one in, in a little bit. Uh, when I was 22, I'll talk more about that. It was like when my, if you, this phrase born again, maybe you know that phrase, coming to Christ, it's like salvation, but when that was, my born again was born again, and uh, I'll, I'll explain that in a little bit, but uh, is that true of you? Maybe you're looking in, maybe you're here this morning, maybe just testing the waters, is, is what Jesus says really true? I began to understand, God is a creator, there's, these things are created, they didn't just happen, they're created, and he's created me, and he has a purpose and a plan for me, and it's, it's not just and just say that it's not just heaven. It's like there's a purpose and a plan now, not to waste this. And so that's really what Paul's getting at. Jesus, his work on the cross, has broken down any dividing walls that would want to keep anyone out of a relationship with him. He's done that work on a cross. And so this is the context. Through his flesh means on the cross. That phrase. So through his flesh means on the cross. The writer of Hebrews says this. says, By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. That's Hebrews 10, 20-22. And that's... Uh, that's actually an exciting verse that, again, we can draw near. So um, Jesus says, I'll give you my peace, my joy. This is all the context. I'm giving you the context of the, verse 22, which is that in him you're being built together. There's something happening that God's doing. And so verse 15 says he created one man. And just to let you know, that created word is the same in Genesis, that God creates something out of nothing. That's what he can do. And so he's creating one new man in Christ for all that trust in him. And he's building something amazing. And an amazing thing is called his church. That's what he's doing. He's, he's gathering a family to himself. He said, I'll, I'll have a people for myself. And so um, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. That's God's doing something. And we have testimony after testimony of, I've been made new. I mean, I, there's something different. And I, I was able to uh, be with a young engineering student from Clemson about a month ago. We were in a coffee shop, and God was drawing him into himself. And we began to just walk through Romans. That we're, we're, 
you know, we're, we're, we're sinners who need saved and there's a consequence to sin and his death, but Christ didn't leave us there and he came and we walk through that. And, and uh, at the end of walking through some verses in Romans, he says, I'm ready. And I'm like, ready for what? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I'm ready. I'm ready to resign. So right there in the middle of the coffee shop a month ago, uh, this engineering student who, who needed to know, I mean, God was showing him some of the I's that are dotted and the T's that are crossed in the universe and some of those things. And he's like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I need forgiven. I need new life. I need to be born again. And and we prayed right there. He loves this one coffee shop. I was right in the center, all these people around. He, he's like, I got the privilege of like being with him as he surrendered his life to Christ. And literally, a few weeks later, we're baptizing him in a meeting. And he's back at Clemson. And, uh, and we're, we're praying he moves to Nashville. But, uh, but he's growing and he's enjoying life. Not just life eternal, which is wonderful, but life to the full. And he's beginning to experience what a relationship with God is. So anyway, it's an, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And hopefully you know that. If you don't know that, you can know that. Like this morning. You, you, that's the beauty of this. God's here. Anything can happen. And so, again, that's all just kind of context. What Paul says. He says there's a new thing that God's doing. A new humanity there's one new people, the church. The church is what he calls that new people. The church is God's glorious creation. Every nation into one humanity. And uh, it's like we're in Christ, and then we don't, we don't lose like our heritages and that kind of thing, but what trumps all of it is we're in Christ first. And so uh, just to give you some other scripture, and to remind you, uh, Galatians 6.15, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Matthew 16.18, Jesus says, I'll build my church, right? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And again, problem is people have a high view of the church. So I only have two points uh, this morning. One is, Tim already stole my first point. Uh, <laughs> Jesus has a high view of of the church. Would you agree with that? Based on scripture, that's, this means yes in Nashville. This means no. Okay. Uh, I don't know about San Francisco, but uh, Jesus has a high view of the church. Do you have a high view of the church? It's like, I would say this. It's like formerly outcast people being brought near, being, being brought into a relationship with God. It doesn't stop there. I'm guessing this. Maybe he wants to elevate our view of the church this morning. I think every time I hear this, every time I read Ephesians, every, every, I'll get more, more, like something stirs in me and I fight to hold back emotion. I probably won't be, be successful in that this morning, but uh, there's something that em, evokes emotion that, that's deep-seated. Maybe he wants to elevate your view. Maybe, you need, maybe he wants to show you that his plan all along is to have a glorious church. That it's not about a building, although this is very nice. It's cool, really. And uh, it's not a place you go. It's not just a meeting that you attend. It's not a 
place to network or be discovered in Nashville. I don't know about SF, but in Nashville, uh, the church is a high production and there's like, uh, these, and it's literally a place to be seen and network. And if you're on a worship band, it's not uncommon that people are trying to get on the worship band to be discovered in, in Nashville. And so you're dealing with, with all this kind of stuff, but it's not a place to be discovered. It's not a place to meet your future spouse, although that happens. We, our church name is Lifehouse. It's been kidded that we're Wifehouse. Uh, that, you know, it's, it's a place to, I, I keep reminding people, that's not God's, you know, it's not what, God, what we're after. It's not a concert where we come and spectate or something that we're just there to evaluate. There's something I call the Nashville stance. Uh, Chris knows this because Chris, Chris was in a band, but the music industry comes into Nashville. And if you go to a concert where a new band's playing, you can tell the guys in the music industry because they're usually wearing a black jacket and they stand in the back and they cross their arms and it's like, dare you to move me, you know? Well, we can get that attitude in the church. Like that can, that can come in. And it's like, you know, I dare there to be a speaker that can move me this morning. You haven't found one, by the way, this one, this isn't gonna happen. But, or a band or a worship leader or an environment. And it's not that, it's not, it's, not, it's a family being built together by the Holy Spirit. It's really important. Like, this is what Jesus gave his life for. He gave his life so that you and I could come near to the Father and be built together. Not so you and I could be, come to the Father and then scatter or do our own thing. It's like God wants us built together, fashioned together. And so my moment, more on my but now moment, I can remember being gripped. Like I was 22. I know how old I was. I was 22. My wife was 22. We were married young, by the way, at 18. Still married. And uh, it's amazing. I don't know how it happened, but, but God. But uh, we were on a couch at a church plant with six people, we were two of the six. So four people besides us. And my pastor, began, the pastor there began to talk from Ephesians. And he's just talking from Ephesians, uh, chapter two, about being built together. And then he started weaving in a little bit of Acts two. Yes. You know, Acts two. <laughs> you, you know that one. It's a good one, isn't it? It says in Acts two, Ephesians 2, Acts 2, and he began going back and forth, and it says in Acts 2.42, which is not on the screen, you have to listen, it says, and they devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed, listen to this, were together and had everything in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Those are being saved. He was going back and forth between Ephesians 2, God's purpose to build us together in Acts 2. And the Holy Spirit began to move upon my wife and I. And we just were totally undone. Like we... We, we were on this couch in this living room 
We didn't even know it was a church plant, by the way, when we went. We thought it was a Bible study. I don't even understand. Bible study, and it was a church plant. I didn't know that. And, uh, but something happened, and we were, in the best way, ruined. I can just tell you that uh, I was 22. That's 38 years ago, if you're wondering how old I am. Um, do the math, 60. And uh, I hope I did it right. Uh, anyway, uh, and we were undone, and we said, we want to give our life to this. And we, we looked at him, and we said, put us to work. And I think he thought, he was much older, and he thought, oh, these stupid kids, whatever, you know, they're not going to last or whatever. But God had done something. He, he had put in us a vision. He, he, he helped us receive his vision on planet Earth, which is to build a glorious church. And there are days... Uh, I'm just amazed. And there are days, I, I'm amazed at what God's doing. I've been in Nashville now 21 years. Uh, and I've met lots of people who God's drawing to himself. People who uh, have been captivated by this same vision. And God's drawing people. And, and I've met people who give their time. I think what compels people to give their time, their money, their energy, to give all of that, to be commit, committed to a body of believers, what, like, what? It's this vision that this is what God's doing on planet Earth, and I want to be part of it. I want my life to count and to last. I want to. I want to give this brief time to something that's going to last forever. The people of God, and remembering, it's not just the big C. It's it's the little C. It's it's the church at San Francisco. Uh, it's the church at Nashville. It's the church at Ephesus, and. Uh, and so I've, I've seen that happen, and uh, I've seen people working hard to see lives transformed by Jesus, loving people. And I think uh, the church, Ephesians 3.10, if we go on, is to display the manifold wisdom of God. It's like that's what we're to do, and not just the big... It's like this what God's doing here. He's wanting to show His wisdom in gathering what seems foolish. Like, you know people like you and me. And I met people. I, I think some, I met people that uh, God was drawing to themselves and people like Tim and Chris and, and others. And some days I think we fall way short, but we've caught this glimpse of the local church work, working around. I'll give you a few quotes so you know it's not just me. Terry Virgo, if you don't know who that is, he's a guy from the UK. It's been pretty instrumental in my life. Uh, he said, I still long for a glorious church, the joy of the whole earth, strong in truth, flooded with God's presence, a truly phenomenal alternative to a fragmented, alienated, impersonal society. We offer a counterculture because God's in our midst. It's the presence of God. One author said, there's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. He said, give your life to this. Give all the money you can give. Get all the service you can give. Get all the prayers you can give. Give whatever you have. Give because all eternity, you'll look back over your shoulder and be glad you did. I believe that. You're never going to look back over your shoulder in eternity and think, ah, I'm so sad I gave my life to what God was giving his life to. Like, I'm so sad I, I joined in what Jesus was doing. You're not going to eternity look back and you're going to be grateful 
The church comforts the grieving, heals the brokenhearted, sets the lonely in family. I could give you testimony after testimony just on my life of how God's done that. Jesus' plan on planet Earth is his church. That's what Ephesians 2 is saying. That's what Acts 2 is saying. It's where the gospel is preached, the lost are found, the sick are healed, people are fit together. And let me just say, it's not just a pile of bricks, okay? That, that verse, Ephesians 2, says that we're being built together. So a pile of bricks doesn't mean that you're built together. So it's not about getting these huge numbers. We love it because they represent souls coming together. We're not against them. We want people to come. But there is a fitting together that needs to happen. If, you, if you're going to build something, you drop off a pile of bricks, that pile of bricks can sit there. But if it's not fashioned, if it's not formed, if it's not got mortar and cemented in, if there's not somebody that's, that's able to, to take it and fit one brick upon another upon another and lay a proper foundation, then walls begin to rise and then something that is noticeable begins to happen and that's what happens when people commit to God and to a local church. What begins to happen is people begin to notice. These aren't just bricks. These are people fitted together. Like they're, they're, they're all in. And this is the thing. I, I just, every time I think about this message, I just want to shout it. I just want to say, can't you see this? This is what God's doing. Can't you see? Come on, come along with us. Like, we'll do you good. Not because we're so cool, but because God's so great. It's like, this is what he's doing. It, it's, you, you can do other things too, but in the context of the greatest thing is joining in what God's doing. And this is one sentence that I have to read because I'll mess it up if I don't, but it's the best. The church, it's God's or it's a God-ordained redemptive agency upon which the destiny of the entire world hangs. I'm going to read that again because I messed it up. <clears throat> it is the God-ordained redemptive agency on which the destiny of the entire world hangs. And then the next sentence was, stop wasting your life. I think that was from John Piper. I failed to make the note, but I think it was his book, Don't Waste Your Life. I think that's where I got that. Whoever I got it from was great. Okay, that was the number point. <laughs> Jesus has a high view of the church. Do you have a high view of the church? Maybe God's wanting to elevate your view of the church, what it means to be fit together. All right? And then number two, the second point is this. I believe Jesus wants us fully engaged. Think about the Great Commission, making disciples. Um, you about that? And this is the last point. But I grew up in church, and I'm very grateful, very grateful for growing up in a big church. Uh, they preached Jesus, had the Holy Spirit, all these things. Uh, but I, I wanted to engage, but I just fell short. I just w Something in me just wasn't able to engage. And I believe God wants all of us fully engaged. Uh, Proverbs 29 says, where there's no vision... People are unrestrained. Without vision, people perish. I've seen it. I've seen people lose vision. I've seen people lose vision for various reasons. Real, genuine difficulty. Real, genuine hurt, pain. Um, I'll just share this real briefly. My wife, she has a brain tumor. Um, she, 
has been dealing with that off and on for eight, nine years now. It's, it's not in a place, we, it's not cancerous, we don't think, but we've chosen to, to just, uh, when it gets so big, they're gonna have to remove it, but the doctor said, give her as much life as normal as possible. And so, you know, there's days I'm like, God, why? Right? And, and I'm just saying, but then I know he's God and I'm not. And I come back to this. I see that in the Psalms. I see David do it. And I, and I come back and I could, it could be a reason to give up. But it's not an adequate reason. God calls us to something great. And if you, if you see Michelle and you wish, you would never know anything. You would never know. She's, she works her tail off and she's, she's involved and she's going to love on people and she's giving her life to the church and it really inspires me to do that. But uh, why? We, some people don't engage because there's been genuine hurt. I think one, one reason, and I'm going to close with, I don't know how long I'm supposed to go. For, okay, I'm going to close with this. Uh, when I say close, that means 20 minutes, all right? <clears throat> no. Maybe it's a compelling vision has never been cast. Maybe you've never heard about, like, that's what Jesus is doing. Maybe you don't see yourself uh, as God sees you, as a vital part of the team. I, I guess, growing up, I didn't see myself as a vital part of the team. I didn't think I was on the team. I thought it was the people in the front on the stage. Like this was a big church. I, I thought, wow, they're the people on the team. And my pastor helped me to understand that I was a vital part of the team and that I had a role to play and that God had called me and, and wanted, wanted all of my life. And, and uh, he, he helped me understand. I, I was into a few sports and he said, you know, if there's a football team, and I know here we've got people from all over from the UK and other places, so football could be the ones you kick with your yeah, soccer, or it can be American football, but whatever sport, if half of the team doesn't show up, or and the coach doesn't know why or where, there's not going to be much accomplished. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. They looked horrible the other night, uh, but... But it'd be one thing if Coach Andy Reid didn't know where half the team was. Or, or, if they, or if the other half of the team didn't really see themselves as vital. Hey, we're the defense, but we don't see a vital this week. You know, we'll, we'll go. So uh, maybe you don't see yourself that way, but we're all part of the team. And I began to see myself as God sees me. I think just a glimpse. And... My, my pastor began to, like, he even, he even said, well, why don't you ask for some input? And I'm like, well, you're, you're already giving me input. I'm not even asking for it. You're giving. But he's like, well, why don't you see, you know, you need to be coached a little bit. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so things began to be, and that was the fitting together process for me. There was understanding. It is, like Tim said, life on life. And there's value. And that's what God's doing. It's not just me, like, it's not going to supernaturally happen that I've just become the brick that God wants. He uses people, and he, he uses his church. He does, he does this, and he does now. And so that, that was through people. But then God spoke to me in an Alpha conference. You guys are doing Alpha. I was at an Alpha conference in Dallas, Texas, and 
Nikki Gumble, who was, and Sandy Lyle, his pastor, was there. And, and they said there's a guy that they did this Holy Spirit night. And there was a word that came. There's a guy you feel this in your feet when you pray. And God's wanting to answer a question you've been asking. And I was at, and I, did, I didn't think it was for me. And it was about a thousand people there. And they're like, you've been asking God a question. And the answer is yes. And the guys that were with me took their hand. It was like a Blues Brothers moment, if you can remember that movie. I'm old enough to remember that. Anyway, they pushed me into the aisle. I'm like, what is going on? They literally put their hand. I'm like, that's you, dude. And uh, I've been asking God, Lord, do you want to use me evangelistically or do you want me to plant a church? And God said, the answer is yes. That's like a no-brainer, right? I'm dense that way. I'm, I'm like, I didn't under, I thought it was either or, okay? But uh, like, I'm just, that's how God works with me. And so, but what happened is I have been fit together. And then, so we, I didn't just go do that. Like I submitted that to our leadership. And we prayed into it. We submitted that to our family, after our leaders, and we began to pray. And I said, I don't want to go anywhere without being sent. Like, I don't want to just be released. It's important to me to be under authority, to be fit together. Jesus talks a lot about that. So anyway, but I began to meet people, and I, I said I was going to close, but I want to invite you into something, and that's His Glorious Church to be fit together. I began to meet people in Nashville. Like, there was this Christian band, Alabaster Box. They were the number one band in Australia at the time, and they were Australians. They, they showed up in a little place a lot like this, and they walked in, and uh, uh, we be, I began to cast this vision about what God done in me, and 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 they they're like we, we're we're in, and it's important to communicate like sometimes hey we're in, like we're in this that, that we're in this I, I want to be fit together, and they even began to be like shaped and and Brett I remember Brett they were very popular he could travel to big churches and he was getting big money to to. To, do, to lead worship and to, to do things at the time. And he would sit with me and say, John, I want to I submit my schedule to you. I didn't ask, and he'd say, I want to be involved in the local church. So I, I want to be fit together. So when, when do you think you could afford me being gone? And I'm like, never. Um, so uh, you need to quit. No, uh, no. So we would work together and he would do that. And then I met Chris, who's in Day of Fire, and his brother Joe, who's... Uh, oversees our worship at church, and they're in this, I called it a heavy metal Christian band, but uh, it was, uh, he says just a rock band, but uh, anyway, and God had put something in them for something more, and uh, so maybe, maybe you just haven't become fully engaged because that compelling vision has never been cast, maybe you don't see yourself as a vital part of the team, maybe there's a cultural mindset that creeps into us, instead of a biblical mindset, and like, what are you doing? Well, I think our culture is totally consumer-driven, and uh, we can think subconsciously that I'm here to receive, and this is just another place, and if it's good, I'll come back, and if it's not, I won't, and if I, if I like, and that cultural, that, that consumer mindset kind of drifts in, and some can be here because they come for the kids, or, or they come for their kids, and, and, uh, without realizing it's God's family. He sets the lonely in families. He gets the right to decide where he wants us to be. And he gets the right to decide. Like, I'm so grateful. Like, Carl, your fog come in. My friend Carl, he pastored me, and he would 
he would get in my face like this. He had no idea of personal space. Like there's supposed to be, there's supposed to be three feet, feet between people at all times, I think. But, uh, but he would get here and he doesn't blink. All right, he doesn't blink. So he would be like, John, how are you, uh, what do you think about buying that car? I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, Carl, you need to blink and you need to back up. But, <clears throat> but, but God had set me there and he had said something in my heart. This guy's going to disciple you. This guy's going to f- help you fit. He's going to help shape you. And, and you, need, you need those things. I've gone way too long. So uh, I was going to have Chris come up and share not going to do that. You're going to have to talk to him individually. I was going to have Chris come up and share like some of what compelled him to really lay down things. Really lay down things and to be useful and helpful and available in the local church. And uh, But another re- reason we don't fully engage is pride. Um, it's humbling. It's humbling to belong to a group of believers. It's humbling to give people permission to ask you questions. It's humbling. To, and another reason might be selfishness, uh, why people don't engage, like uh, focused on their ministry, maybe more than what God's doing. Language can sound like this. I want to go where my gifts can be, uh, all that kind of thing. Okay, so what? I'm, I am closing. The so what is Jesus wants you and I to have a high view of the church. And the so what is he really does want us fully engaged in his work, the church. And I believe God, if, if, you, if you're here this morning and you think, God, you sense something stirring in you, I believe that's God. I believe God wants to stir in me this morning. He wants to remind me this is really important and not to just phase out. Some people, when they get to be my age, just kind of start to fade away, all right? Like, he wants me going for it. Like, go, finishing strong. Like, seeing his church. And, and I want to do that. And so, maybe that's you. Maybe it took that meeting when I was 22. It took the Holy Spirit just doing something. I say, ruining me in a wonderful way. But I wonder if Chris could come up and just uh, lead us in a song in a minute. But as we, as we get ready for that, I think the response would be this. Number one, you can become a believer this morning. Number one, you can cross the line of faith. God, God's made a way that you can come near to him. All you have to do is trust in him. All you have to do is confess your need. And he's here. And number two, I think God is inviting you like to, to link arms and to say, okay, I, I want to be built together. Like, I want this vision... And sometimes that takes the Holy Spirit. And so I just, it takes the Holy Spirit like ruining us in a wonderful way. And I just wonder this question, if you sense God stirring in you, just, just giving the Holy Spirit a bit of time to, to stir that vision. I, I just, the, the, the words I have is fresh vision. And like the fresh wind of God blowing and, and him giving fresh faith to us. I just believe he wants to do that. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. If we can be of any help to you, please don't hesitate to contact us at hello 
at sanctuarysf.com. We would love to connect. And wherever this finds you, may you experience the grace and peace of God our Father 